We've been in a series of come up here, and we finally got out of it, I think, last week. And uh, I'm hoping that through that series, you were able to find the point of that series of moving closer to God and further away from yourself. You know, if, if we could ever, if we could ever figure out a way to get away from us and get close to Him, it's not that it's not that life changes. It's not that we won't walk through something or experience things or be disappointed or hurt or betrayed. It's not that none of that stuff will happen when we get closer to Him. It's just that we'll have a different perspective of it once we do. And uh, perspective, man, is... <laughs> Depending on how you're going to look at it, it's probably going to, it's going to depend or it's going to weigh heavily on how you get through it. So if you're looking at everything as gloom and doom, that's probably how you're going to experience what you're going through. But um, I serve a God, I don't know about you, but I serve a God that said that uh, He'll never leave me or forsake me. And He's the God of the mountains. He's the God of the valleys. He's been there before we got there, and He'll be there after we leave. And... Uh, so we've got to trust that he's going to lead us in the right direction. You know, our, our lives are often redirected by circumstances. And uh, if we aren't careful, this practice can overspill into our spiritual lives. And when we walk throughout our Christian journey, we're faced with many decisions and if we're allowing circumstances to steer our choices, we can become double-minded. There's opportunity in your life all the time to make a choice and to decide on what you will do with something and what you won't. And the moment that we allow our circumstances to... I'll say taint our spiritual outlook, we then begin to make decisions based on what we see, hear, smell, feel. And I don't know if any of y'all have ever done it. I've never done this. I've never made a decision out of my emotion, ever. And then when I did, um, the outcome wasn't pleasant. And if you're a gambling man or a woman, you can bet on this. If you base your life on the decisions made out of emotion, it's going to be worse for you than better. And uh, the Bible is pretty clear on how we are to walk. We're to walk by faith and not by sight. You know, I've, I've heard pastors say it, and I've said it, in times past that the the opposite of faith is fear that's false doctrine because the bible says that we're to walk by faith not by sight so the opposite of faith is what we see if we walk by what we see we don't need faith 
Because how many of you know, I mean, you don't have to, it's not that you lack faith or it's, you know, it's not that you lack faith when you experience fear. That, that's nonsense. I can still be scared going through a situation, but I know. Oh, come on. Don't y'all get real righteous on me this morning. Because there's things in our life that can cause you to step back for a moment. That doesn't mean you give up on God. Amen. That just means you took a step back. And if we aren't careful, we'll allow what causes us to step back to overspill in the way we should live or the way we should talk or the way we should walk, how we believe, in whom we believe. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to James. I love James. I still ain't figured out why they named that book James. Because it's supposed to be Jacob. But y'all didn't know that, did you? His name is Jacob. I'm wondering if uh, King James... I wonder if he wanted his name in the Bible. That's why that was interpreted in the English form, James. But it's supposed to be Jacob. That's just food for thought. Just, just a little nugget for you. Do your own research. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 8. It says, my brethren, this is why I love James. Because he just, it almost sounds like he talks at the side of his head. He says, count it all joy <laughs> when you fall into various trials. Man, who in, the world, in their right mind is going to talk like this? See, I, I, I preached a sermon years and years ago, man. It was almost like when we first got started and God put it on me. And I, I, I think the name of the sermon was, you've got to be out of your mind. Don't you know that when you, when, you, when you make a decision to serve God, you got to be out of your mind? Yep. <laughs> I'll give you scripture to back it up, but you've got to be out of your mind. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, the mind of Christ. See, you got to be out of your mind and in his mind. You, you, well, never mind. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. I love this dude. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. It means whole. If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask of God. Don't, <laughs> don't read the newspapers. Come on. Don't read the doctor's diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Don't listen to what people say. If you lack wisdom, ask God. Amen. Who gives to all liberally. And without reproach, and it will be given to him. If you'll, just, if you'll just ask God, the one that can give it to you, if you'll just ask him, 
But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, unstable in his faithful ways or his work ways, his relationship ways, his life ways. It's, he's unstable in all his ways. Marriage counseling. Real quick. It's a, it's a quick little nugget. You get, y'all get right in the middle of it. You ready? Here it is. You better make sure he's asking God for wisdom and he's asking with faith and not doubting. You don't want an unstable man leading your home. Women? Come on. I know some women don't like to hear this. Because they think it's religious. It's old timey stuff. But the man is the head of the home. Scripture says it. Christ is head of the church. You don't want your man being unstable. When they get unstable, go, did you ask God? You been with God today? What did daddy say? I hear that all the time. What if I tell daddy? I'm just going to quit. What daddy say? Never mind. <laughs> Mark chapter 4. We're going to go for a little ride this morning, so y'all bear with me. Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 35. On the same day, <laughs> All right. I'm going to have to do it this way. I see it coming. On the same day. Now you, you've got, remember when I tell you to read your Bible, I want you to read it. I want you, don't just read it. I want you to read it. And don't just grab a scripture and apply it to your life. You know that is one of the worst things that you can do in your life is to pluck one scripture and try to apply it to your life. Do y'all remember, do y'all remember the parable of um, the man that built his house upon the sand and the man that built his house upon the rock? Sand in your life is watered down doctrine. It's, it's that doctrine that says it's that, it's that doctrine that says you can do what you want to do God will protect you. So go ahead and do everything you want to do and God will protect you. Go jump off the Empire State Building and God will protect you. That's what happens inside of the church now because we, we preach on one scripture and we call it doctrine, and it's completely out of context. What does that happen? What what call, what does that cause in the church? 
what happens is when people now leave the church, you're so jacked up on that one scripture, when you walk out and the, the opposite is beginning to take place, you go, well, that's not what I heard. And the next thing you know, you've decided to put your hands to something else that you shouldn't be, or you decided to move in a different direction that you should have never moved to to begin with, but you're basing it off of that little sloppy agape. You're basing it off of that sandy, that watered down, that milky scripture that made you feel good. But if you read the entire context, there's something about understanding. The, the Bible says, that for those that have an ear to hear, hear what the Lord's saying. See, it ain't what you say. <laughs> too, too many people grab the word, they interpret the way they want to because it fits their circumstance at the moment. And that's how they bring that word out of context. And then they begin quoting that scripture and it's completely out of context. Let me give you a word of advice. God is only, he is only liable for his word, right. not yours. That's right. If you are quoting his word out of context based on the how based on how you identified that scripture or your interpretation, he's not obligated to fulfill that which you just said. He's only obligated to his word. Jeremiah says that he watches over his word that he may perform it. Not your word. Y'all ain't going to like me, but I'm just letting you know. You... you, you. <laughs> On the same day, this is, this is, I don't know how I got there, but I'm coming back to here. Okay. <laughs> On the same day, I just love tearing a scripture apart. On the same day, what happened in that day? Y'all remember what was going on here? This is when Jesus was preaching to the multitudes and he was giving parables. And then he brought his disciples aside and he began to explain to his disciples what these parables were. And after he explained to, to the disciples, he, he broke it down. And that same day, he told the disciples to get on the boat. Okay? They got on the boat. Seems like everything's going good. He told them, and the same day, he told them to get on the boat. They got on the boat. Everything was good. He just told them everything about the parables. This is like a parent. A parent just, well, okay, y'all done it. Have you ever done anything that you were just told not to do? You with me? They, they were just told everything about the kingdom. He was breaking these parables down. And man, all they had to do was just hear it and apply it and live it. But somewhere on the, same, on the very same day, the moment we said, Sean, don't touch that. It's hot. I can talk about him today because he ain't here. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. There he is. He is here. 
Quit, you need to wait. He had his head down on the desk. He looked at me mean, he didn't too. <laughs> but we, we, we looked at Sean and we said, Don't touch that. It's hot. <laughs> I mean, I can understand if we have a tendency to forget about something two or three days later, but this is the same day. Now, hang on. On the same day, that, that same very day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let's, let us cross over to the other side. Now, did you just hear the word of the Lord? He said, let us cross over to the, there's a promise. There's a guarantee. He said, let us cross over. We're going. Amen. Let's, get, let's get in the boat, and we're, we're going over there. Let's get in the boat. He just told them everything that they needed to hear. They're in the perfect will of God right now. He said, let's go. Man, what better place to be in your life than hear exactly what God said, to do exactly what God said do, be in his perfect will, and have him get in the circumstance with you the same day. Well, the world's perfect right now, isn't it? I mean, everything, just hang on. Now, when they had left the multitude, they looked, they took him, Jesus, along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Not peace of steel. Very different. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? Is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea? Obey him. <laughs> Man, when Jesus would teach the people, he would always speak to them in parable. And him speaking in parable wasn't just because he wanted to play a trick a trickaroo. It was because he was fulfilling prophecy. Because he said, I'll speak and they'll not hear. They have eyes, but they will not see. He's fulfilling prophecy when he is doing parables. And he told the disciples, if you want to run to Matthew, go to, go to Matthew, Tommy. I'll do Matthew right now and then, we'll, then I'll get into this. We'll do Matthew chapter 13. And the disciples, to start at verse 10, I'll just I'll go through this real quick. 
And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered to them, Because it's been given you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Who is you? <laughs> Who is you? Who is you? You're a Christ follower. You're a believer. It's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For whoever has, oh man, for whoever has to him more will be given and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Now listen. Let me, let, me, let me put this to you like this. For he who has, what? The kingdom, Jesus. It's been given you to know the mysteries. So if it's been given you to know the mysteries, I'm going to give you more mystery. I will continue to go. I will continue to give. I'll continue to pour into you. It's, already, it's been given for those that have, more will be given. I'll continuously pour. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken. Can you imagine Jesus talking to a multitude of people and he throws out these parables and he walks away and everybody's scratching their head? He took away the mystery to them and he took it to the disciple. And he gave it to the disciple. He gave even more to them. Taken away and given more. It says the more that you'll see. All right, well, wait a minute. Therefore I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see. Hearing they do not hear. Nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled. Which says hearing you will hear and shall not understand. And seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of the people have grown dull. The ears are hard of hearing, and the eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn. So I should heal them. The more you see, the more you will see. The more you hear, the more you will hear. Are you with me? See, if we get, if we get caught up in this little complacent capsule that we set in most of our lives, you'll only see what you're able to see. But if you can get outside of that for a moment and begin to see what God's trying to show you, He'll show you more. The more you see, the more He'll give you to see. The more you hear, the more he'll give you to hear. The more you understand, the more he'll give you to understand. That's growth in Christianity. That's moving from Christian to disciple. He's not going to give a loaded 45 to a three-year-old. But if you've gone through the classes and you've matured and you've shown that you can handle what he's given you, then he'll give you the 45 and let you shoot. Blessed are your eyes, for they see. 
and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Many prophets. So he's... (laughs) Man alive. So he just told his disciples that there are prophets that wanted to see what you're seeing. And they weren't able to see it. So it's it's just like the church. There are things in, in the word that I want Christian people to see and to hear, but they don't. Doesn't mean they're not Christian. It just means that they're not going to the next. It means that whatever happens in life destroys them. Because they're not able to place their house on the rock instead of on the sand. Because when the wind blows and the rain comes, the sand shifts and the house will fall. See, no, man. It was on this day after Jesus had explained to them everything that he explained to them. He had them get in the boat. He put them in his will. They were in his will. They were listening to him. And Jesus got in the boat with them. How many of you know that you'll never go into any, here I'll use the word fire so it'll take you to a place. How many of you know you'll never go into a fire without Jesus being in it with you? Y'all went to Shadrach, Meshach, yep. right? What, what else is his name? Who? A billy goat. He said a billy goat. So you would think that if, if God literally sat down in your living room and he spoke to you and he explained things in, into you, give you revelation, and he said, this is what I want you to do, and you've done those things. And he said, I'm going with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be right there. I'll carry you. I'll walk with you. I'll hold your hand. I'll lead you. I'll guide you. I'll protect you. I'm there. Everything is wonderful. And then the next thing happens is a storm. I'm not, I'm not talking... I'm not talking about these little wind storms that you get, these little rainstorms that you experience. I'm talking about a storm. The, this storm said that the waves were so fierce that it began to break over the bow of the ship and begin to fill the ship. Have you, have you ever been walking through life and out of nowhere it hits you? You're not ready for it. You're not furthest thing from your mind. You're not expecting it. You, you don't, no clue. And it comes out of nowhere and it loads your life. How soon we forget that Jesus has already explained to us, don't worry, have no fear. Jesus has already said, 
I'm going with you to the other side. Jesus has already let you know that you're not going to be by yourself. But how soon we forget when troubles hit. And how quick we can be swayed either in our opinion or our decision. We can be swayed in our understanding or our belief. All in the same day. In the same day. He told you everything. And just because a storm crashes on your life that you're not prepared for. I'm talking about a storm that you, you, you can't control this storm by a new job. You can't fix this storm with a new relationship. I'm talking about a storm that you can't control. I'm talking about one that you just don't go to the doctor and get some medicine for. I'm, I'm talking about a storm you have zero control over. You don't know where it come from. You don't know why it happened. But you know that it hit you in the most inopportune time of your life. Maybe some of you have been walking and we were carefree. We, we were kicking lilies in the field and everything was good. And then out of nowhere a storm comes. Maybe it's other people that walk through life and they've already got things they're dealing with. But you're dealing with the little stuff. It's, it's, just, it's just the anti, it's the picnic gnat. <laughs> the one that just keeps coming and keep, and it's just, it just seems like you're just treading and you're treading and, and you're pushing and you're pushing. And, and you get through this and you get through that and here comes another, here comes another. And then boom, here comes the big storm, the big storm. And it's set on top of all of it. And you're going, wait a minute. You want to quit. You want to give up. You want to give in. You can't, I can't take it anymore. And the storm of life is starting. Not only is it just not something you're experiencing on the outside, but it begins to protrude. It begins to overbreak your bow, and it begins to work on your spirit man. And your spirit man becomes weak. And then all of a sudden you go, wait a minute. Hey, God, don't you even care? It's the spiritual storm that we're not ready for. God, don't you, don't you even care? It's in these storms that we begin to waver spiritually. And these are the storms that we need to be prepared for. Not that you're going to stop it. It's, it's, it's not that you're going to be able to deter that storm. You're not, you're not going to get away from it. It's there. Now we have to walk through it. But we have to walk through it differently. It's the hard part. But the only way that you and I will be able to walk through this differently is by keeping our eye 
on jo. How quickly we could be deterred. How quickly we could, man, look, we could lose hope. God forbid, but we, we could lose hope. We could begin to question God. And I'm not saying that asking God questions is a bad thing. You Listen, let me tell you something. You should sit down with your legal pad every day and say, Hey, God, how about, I look, I'll wear him out. Try to. But I want to know. These storms that are contrary to what God says about who we are. That you're the head, not the tail, but it sure does seem like it. That you're above and not beneath, but boy, it sure ain't looking like it. It's what he says you can do. I can do all things through Christ, through strength. It don't look like I can get through this one. This is more than I can handle. Well, pastor, the Bible says that God don't put on you more. That's one of your sandy scriptures because you don't read it in context. He says that he don't put more on you that, can, that you can bear without first giving you a way out. You better finish them. You better check your scriptures that you're quoting because if you're not, they're going to cause you. I'm telling you, the enemy will use God's word against him and you if you're not careful. He'll tell you in a quick heart, say, I thought God wouldn't put on you more than you can bear. Look at you now. And because of what you're going through and what you're having to carry and experience in life, you begin to walk away now from God. Because the Bible, well, the Bible says, let every man be a liar and let God be true. God ain't a God, ain't a God that can lie. If he said it, he's got to do it. He said he ain't going to put more on me what I can bear. God, I can't take it no more. No, he give you a way out. He give you a way out scriptures ago. But because you don't apply the... Because you won't apply them. As long as this earth shall endure, there will be seed, time, and harvest. Whatever seed you plant, a seed produces after its own kind. I'm giving you scripture. A seed produces after its own kind. Whatever you plant, you can rest assured you're going to harvest. Yep, that's true. <laughs> yep. Oh, and listen, guess what? Let me, here's, check this out. This one will blow your mind. Just because you get saved today, don't erase everything that you have planted. <laughs> Do you, do you think it's just going to go? If it goes away, then God's a liar. Right. Now, I do believe this, that God will come in with his mercy and God will come in with his grace and God will come in with his compassion and he'll lessen the harvest. I do believe that with everything in me. But you're going to harvest what you plant. See, that's why the sinner can't even go to church anymore. Meet Jesus. Not that he has to go to church to meet Jesus. 
That's why the sinner can't meet Jesus and continue a righteous walk with Jesus because he's being told that everything goes away, man. Everything is cool. And the first time he hits a little hiccup, a little storm, the pastors throw the tithing game on them, right? Well, now that you're saved, you have to give, and it's 10%. I mean, that's almost like one of the first doctrines they want to teach you as a, as a Christian. It is. And as soon as you start tithing, you lose your job. And then you go running back to the pastor and say, whoa, 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 what happened? <laughs> And then he can't answer you because he gave you false doctrine. And he goes, well, you know, these are just things. No, you ain't. I like to throat punch some of them. You, you can't be a baby all your life. You've got to grow up in your Christianity. You have to grow up. I'm telling you, if you don't grow up, Satan will, com will continue to defeat you in every area of your life because he is fighting you from that end over there. He is fighting you from your maturity. That's right. And you're trying to fight against him in your infancy. You probably could have took my tail out when I was three or four. <coughs> I'm going to tell you to question yourself now, even though I'm 51. Man, you always want to add that one. I always forget it. I don't forget I leave it out. I'm 50. Man, these storms are contrary to what he says he'll do for you. I mean, you're all in the will of God right now. You're doing everything you're supposed to do right now. And out of nowhere, this storm. You're, leaving, you're living the clean life that you can possibly live. And out of nowhere, you get a terminal diagnosis. You're, you're, raising, you're raising your children by the word. You're doing all that you can do and... They get snuffed out at an early age. See, these are the storms. I'm not talking about you kick to bed with your pinky toe. Oh, it hurts. Sometimes it'll take you out. <laughs> but you, I'm not talking about these little storms. I'm talking about these storms. I'm talking about these storms that you have no control of. Man, you, you can't do anything. Everything's out of your power. But they're coming. <laughs> You're going to make it. But the storm's coming. But though it rain for the night. The disciples were in this type of storm. And who would have ever thought that they would have ever experienced 
what they were going through. And, and I'm not, we're not talking, when, when we talk about these disciples that are on this boat, we're not talking about just any disciples. We're talking about professional fishermen. That's right. They understand the ways of the water. They were in the Navy for a few years. <laughs> I've rode the hurricanes. I've been there and done that. I, don't, I ain't get scared. Why? Because what I was in was built for it. You know that you're in the right thing when they tell you, oh, we don't want you to tie up to the, to the pier. We want you to go out and anchor in it. <laughs> Have you lost your mind? Do you know what's going on out there? Yep. But they know what to tear everything up in port. They put you right in the middle of it. Isn't that just like Jesus? If you put yourself in the right thing that's built for it, what's there to fear? Oh, here's another scripture. Though you pass through the waters, they'll not overtake you. You walk through the fire, they'll not burn you. Oh, you just got to be in the right thing. Is it going to be hard? Yeah. yeah. I'm telling you, listen, I'll be the last one to tell you, oh, it's easy, it's a breeze. No, it's not. It's not a breeze and it's not easy. It is hard. It's almost, it's almost deafening. But if you could just go back a few scripture, if you could just go back to where he where he first talked to you. He defeated everything for you. He laid across that whipping post for you. Y'all remember that, don't you? I'll never, I'll never forget that revelation as long as I live, man. I mean, it blew up in my office and I'll never forget it. But when you picture Jesus going across that whipping post, they, they portrayed him as falling on it like he was out of control. Can I tell you that he was 100% in control? And I believe. You believe how you want, but right now it's my sermon. I believe he knelt over that whipping post because wood represents humanity. And he covered humanity with his divinity and he took it all he took it all so we didn't have to oh yeah it's going man we might get the sting we going to feel it you going to feel it man that's how it builds our faith in him Professional fishermen. <laughs> and they get scared. This must be a bad storm. This is one like you've never experienced. This is one you've never had to walk through before, so you don't, you don't have a game plan now. It's uncontrollable. You ever had that storm? 
where what the enemy wants you to do is to exclude yourself and put you in solitude so that he can work on your mind so that he can tell you all the ways it's not going to happen to your benefit. Keep you by yourself and continue to feed into your spirit of how this ain't going to work out. Solidarity is a bad place to be, friend. You were never built to do this on your own. just didn't understand how they was going to ride this one out. Your stress begins to weigh heavy. Anxiety starts taking over and your emotions become overwhelming. Your mind becomes foggy and you begin making decisions based on your emotion. You begin to live a way that's unorthodox. You ain't never lived like that before. You've never you've never done that before. But this storm's like no other. It's here that when we need to start going back into our word. And we need to start. And, I, and, I, and I'm not saying this like this is a magic potion. I'm not, I'm not giving you any type of equations. I'm, I'm not giving you any formulas. I'm not giving you magic potions. I'm not giving you um, magic words to say. I'm just, what we, are, what we should do in our Christian walk when we face storms that we face in life that are just totally uncontrollable. We need to go back and wave back into His Word. And we need to start accepting and taking on what He said You can't sit by yourself. Surround yourself with people that will keep you lifted. Oh, they can understand, and they can have compassion, and they can love on you. They can do it all. But dare they not say, I don't know what to do. If they tell you that, run Because they should say, let's go to the Father. Let's go to Daddy. Oh, I know, and here, here's, here's the hard part. Oh, don't we know this also well? There's times in our life when storms come that we don't even want to hear God's Word, do we? Yeah. <laughs> Y'all better listen. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you for real. There's times you don't, you don't want to hear it. But can, can I encourage you this morning? To listen to it. I know you might not want it. 
And I know right now and here again, God bless our lives. Here we are again because the reason we don't want to hear it is because we've been taught something else and none of this should ever happen. We're so confused. We, we don't know if it's Satan or if it's God. We don't know who's doing what. Because of the way we've been taught. Do y'all know how hard it is to unreligiousize you? I know that ain't a word, but I made it up. Look in the dictionary. It's in my dictionary. But man, if I, if I keep pouring religion into you and pouring religion into you, your works won't cut it. It's him and him alone. But we as pastors, man, we... I'm, I'm, I'm excluding myself right here publicly. I'm not one of them. Pastors will tell you that now that you're saved, you got to stop smoking and you got to stop drinking and you, you can't go to movies and you got to wear it. I'm just telling you what's out there. And can I tell you right now? I, I, I do not encourage you to smoke cigarettes. Bad for you, Okay. I don't encourage you to go out and keep drinking and drinking and drinking. It's bad for you, okay? But can I tell you this? That if it took me the three to five years, whatever it was, that I give my heart. And let me tell you something. You couldn't have told me that I didn't love Jesus even though I was smoking. You could not have told me I didn't love Jesus. I spent more time with Jesus behind a cigarette than you probably did on your face. Now I'm just, listen. Why did, who are you? You God now? Right. Telling somebody when they can go to heaven and when they got to go to hell? Right. Really? We don't understand God's grace. Man, if I had an eyedropper, I'd drop a, an eyedropper in a five-gallon bucket. That's about how much you know God's grace. We don't have a clue. And what's really going to make some of the Christian people mad, some of the religious people mad, is when they get to heaven and they see somebody in heaven that they could have swore wasn't going to make it. They go, how in the world did you get here? I watched you die on your deathbed, but little did you know God was working on the heart, baby. See, those are the people I'm going to be behind going... (laughs) If you ever experience one of these storms, start going back through God's Word and start looking. What did God say? Psalms 28, he said that the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in Him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song, I'll praise Him. Proverbs says the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. And this is the one from Isaiah. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you, and through the rivers, they'll not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burnt, nor shall the flame scorch you. 
He's not saying you won't go through it. He's not saying you won't experience it. But what he is saying, we're going to the other side. How many times have you went to God and said, hey, don't you even care that we perish? God, don't you even care? Let me tell you how the enemy will work real quick. Our brother passed away at the age of 52. 52. It's one year away from me. That was a storm I wasn't sure of. And I had to handle that storm way differently. And I put myself into solitude because I didn't want to talk to nobody about it. And while I was writing one day, this is what come across my mind. Now at the age of 52, it's been how many years? Has it been seven, eight? Okay, just for lack of numbers. See, that, that's another thing. Never mind. Because y'all get mad at me with that too. Look, I don't even know when my own dad died. I don't go to my dad's gravesite. I don't uh, do what you want to do. Just do what you want to do. I, I don't. I don't need to visit something. I, I just. I, I don't. I don't need to be there. There ain't nothing I can do. Unless I was like Elijah. Just dig my hand down there and touch them old dead bones, and he'd come back to life. Boy, it would wake y'all up. Would church be full tomorrow? <laughs> But I guess it was, it was about eight years. And I was riding in my truck, and this is what I heard. Your dad died at 69. Your brother died at 52. When are you dying? I started seeing a cycle. Three things make a cycle. So I'm, I'm going, oh, it's only two, brother. You're not getting me. But let me tell you the fear. We're only November, December, January, February, March. All the number of grace. God's grace is sufficient. I'm five months away from being 52. Don't think I haven't thought about it. See, it's storms like this that if you aren't careful, it'll overtake you. It's storms like losing your father and then losing your brother and knowing that at one time you was, you was an alcoholic. I was a wino. I wasn't an alcoholic. I was a wino. I didn't drink a glass of wine. I drank a bottle when I sat down. It wasn't just a glass. I love wine. That's why I stay away from it. 
See, you got, you got to know the enemy can't tempt you with something you don't want. So don't run back to what you desire. Man, you put a post up yesterday, boy, I almost jumped at the truck. God didn't deliver you and give you strength from what he delivered you from so that you could have the strength to go back to it. It was something like that. To go back to what he brought you out of. Y'all better be careful. That's right. If he delivered you from it once, don't come on, listen to me. Don't go, Dennis, with everything in you, you fight to stay away. Don't go back. Don't let it be a desire. Whatever you do, don't allow the storms of life to overtake you and cause your spirit, man, to become weakened by the pressures. Stay devoted to Him. He's our only hope in a storm. His love is, <laughs> is merciful and relentless. And He cares for you more than you know. If you'll trust in Him and Him alone, He'll help you. Weather the storm. Don't think just because you know Jesus that you're not going to face something. But just know when you face something, you know Jesus. <laughs> big, that's a big swing, ain't it? That's almost tweetable, Tommy. Tommy loves to get quotes. Just because you know Jesus doesn't mean you won't face a storm. But when you face a storm, remember you know Jesus.